You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here is your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, I'm Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And uh, I swear I'm here, I promise. I'm Jamie Jennings from Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December 5th, episode 3072, brought to you by the World Equestrian Center. Good morning, Horse World. Hi, this is Alicia Kay, and I'm bringing you the, for your mental health, abbreviated version of the 12 Days of Christmas, because I suck at singing, so... Here it goes. On the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me a Wintex saddle under my tree. Two Shetland ponies, three pairs of boots, four riding helmets, five Welsh corgi, six saddle pads, seven tons of hay, eight blingy bridles, nine pairs of breeches, ten credit cards, eleven more saddle pads, and twelve million dollars. And a Wintex saddle under my tree. <laughs> Enjoy. Merry Christmas. I would like all of those things, yes. Alicia. You know Thank what? You. With $12 million, you can get all of those things yourself. So, And whose accounts are those credit cards attached to? Yes. We're going to need to go over that first. Yes. That was very good. Thank you. That was Alicia Kay. Thank you for doing that for us. We really appreciate it. You have 10 days left. To enter to win the Wintech saddle, that's right. Go to horseradionetwork.com. Click on the banner at the top of the page. It has all the instructions how to send us songs. We're getting more now, so we'll have a couple for you on today's show. And along with that, we have auditor and uh, jockey Alex Sherman, who's been on the show a number of times. She's going to tell us the other side of the story about the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Act. Geraldine Gibson, who's a last-minute addition here, is from Finesse Dressage, and she's going to tell us about the wild Carl Hester Clinic at the World Equestrian Center over the weekend. Uh, Scooter went to his first show. A sort of a show. And uh, I have a recipe for you. Uh, if we have time, we'll do some question first world problems. But a uh, lot to do on the show today. So I don't know if you saw, but uh, there's pictures out there of the line to get into the Carl Hester Clinic. By the way, for those that don't know, he's like one of the top dressage riders in the world. Uh, at the World Equestrian Center. Did you see the picture? I did not. So tell me about go to, it. Go, go to my Facebook page. It looks like a rock concert from the old days. The line was a mile long. I don't, they did it in one of the indoors, and I know they seat 3,000. They must have put extra seating. <laughs> now, this is a clinic that there were that many people. There were hundreds and hundreds of people in line. We're going to hear from uh, Geraldine a little later about what she thought. It had to be one of the biggest clinics ever held, especially for dressage in the United States. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> that's not a line. That's traffic. <laughs> I, I, I was amazed. I knew there were a lot of people talking about going. And usually... Was it like open seating? So people like no, concert you to, tickets? You had get, to pay to be an auditor, but and it wasn't cheap, but... 
Oh my god! I know, but like, did they did like did did they have like ticketed seating, or no. was it like first come first serve? So people were waiting in line like at a concert to buy concert it, tickets like two in the morning. And these indoor arenas are huge. I mean, they're long, they're enormous, and they seat three thousand. But the seating's down one side, so there's not assigned seating. There's no numbers on them or anything. It's bleachers. Okay. So I don't know. We're ask her about it. It was crazy. I mean, it just <laughs> it has to be the biggest thing they've done, horse thing they've done at World Equestrian Center yet. Just nuts. Florida so. is starved for some Carl Hester, man. Jeez. <laughs> oh, you can't be cheap to get, but I'm kind of thinking they made some money on this one. Uh, yeah. And if you want to, speaking of not cheap to get, our holiday merchandise is still for sale. You still have time to get your gifts in. Go to horseradionetwork.com. That was a terrible gifts. segue. I you know, just basically segged into trying. the fact that this like a million dollars. Our stuff is valuable, Jamie. <laughs> our swag is valuable. Horse Radio Network stuff is valuable. So you can, you can get that uh, over at horseradionetwork.com slash gifts. But yeah, so we have a lot to do on the show today. So let's do some Daily Winnies. We have two auditor birthdays today, Aaron Makowitz and our very own, really bad ads, everybody's favorite, Scott Kreidler. So happy birthday to Scott as well. And of course, you hear him almost every week on Really Bad Ads. He's he's a constant contributor. We also had some new auditors. I'm very excited. We had four last week, Jamie. Wow. Uh, and these auditors signed up uh uh, in the last week, you too can sign up if you want to this week and be named in next week on the show. Jenny Paggard, uh, Caitlin Kennedy, Melissa Larson, and Nancy Jones. Thank you all for signing up and becoming part of the auditor group. Go to, go to Facebook and search for HRN auditors and ask to join and we'll, we'll let you in the super secret, uh, Facebook group. So I'm terrible at um, when I get mail and I open it up and it, it's wrapped like a present that should go under my tree. I oh, open it. You open it. So thanks um, for Joanne Cutchell, one of our auditors who sent me a nice little Christmas gift. I opened it up and I loved it. Thank you so much. Also, a daily Winnie goes out to my friend Jen Chapman. Jen has been looking for a horse for quite some time um, to add to her barn. She lives in Arizona. She was a student of mine in Arizona. And I got I got one in this week and I was like, I called her. I was like, get out here. I've got your horse. So Jen dropped everything, flew out here yesterday to meet Oki Strong immediately fell in love with him and she's vetting him uh, this week. So another horse and hound horse potentially adopted. I'm very excited for her. And it's nice to, you know, it's nice to match people with their horses, but it's nice to match friends, especially. And to have your friend trust you and want to want to listen to you and want to take one of these rescue horses, uh, it's just awesome. So anyway, Oki Strong getting vetted on Wednesday, so maybe was another it, adoption. Isn't he the one that was a football player, Nick? Yes, but he does not look that bad. <laughs> I'm just a terrible photographer. <laughs> he looked like one of the football players from uh, Oklahoma, actually. He's a big dude. He's a big dude, like wide chest, you know, Like, but he's appropriately big all around. His confirmation is quite lovely. And he's an oaky horse, which means we love them. <laughs> 
So uh, we took Scooter and Nigel uh, to a little show over the weekend. Uh, we got to, for the first time, take our, our Living Quarters horse trailer out with the horses and actually do some camping. So that was the first time for that. And, uh, you know, it was a, it's a near a huge forest here in Ocala. We have a couple large forests, but this one has miles of trails. There's a lot is of trail like riding stalls here. Or yeah. Do, oh, yeah. Okay. The campground's a proper campground, which is really nice. Full, full hookups, everything. And then they have stalls and they have little paddocks you can turn them out in. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it, it's everything. It wasn't that expensive actually to stay there. Uh, but this is a little show and it's a little kind of obstacle show where you can, uh, you can do an in-hand class where you, you walk your horses through the obstacles and they have things where you have to, you know, pick up a plank and walk it around in circles and then back up your horses through things. And uh, they have, you know, scary things that uh, you have to bring them up to and stuff. So it's a very simple little show. And there were probably, well, there were probably 30 horses in in uh, scooters in hand class. And, you know, it's fun. They let you have fun with it and everything. And then Nigel did the trail version of it where you go out in trails and then do obstacles. He did that the next day. So Scooter went first on Saturday and Scooter is very curious about everything. So he, and he's not afraid of, he's the weirdest horse. And I don't know if you've ever had one like this. He's not afraid of anything that's made by humans. <laughs> he's afraid if he hears rustling in the grass or, you know, in the woods behind him, if there's a deer two miles off, that that gets his attention. Anything that's like that, that's actually natural, he, he tends to be afraid of. But we drove him by a street sweeper one day that was in our neighborhood, and it was going. It was sweeping the street. We were in the next lane over, drove him right by, didn't care construction equipment, all that stuff. So needless to say, he didn't really have much trouble <laughs> with... Uh, with with the- your pesky man-made object. No, he really was You know, there was one, and I actually... I'll tell I didn't get very many videos and I apologize, but I'll explain why in a second. Uh, so he did this thing where they have to go up to a flag and they take a flag around and wave it and do these kind of, he didn't care about any of that. He wanted to eat the flag. He kept trying to bite all the props, which I'm sure we haven't gotten the, the comments yet. I'll read those on Wednesday because that'll be hilarious. Uh, there was one where you had the side pass. Well, I got to tell you. Driving ponies, side passing's not a real popular thing uh, because, you know, <laughs> Thank the, God. the shafts, the cart, the whole thing doesn't go well. So he did his best there, but he just tried everything and was a real trooper about it. I got to tell you, I was very impressed. I was, and thank you to Jennifer for, for sh- quote unquote, showing him. Uh, handling your horse yes. for you. And now, just, how come you didn't handle him? Mm, well, uh, because I didn't know about this and, you know, and I just wasn't involved in the whole process. This was something Jennifer set up. And you know me, I don't like showing anything. I'm just not a competition person. You're the, you're the guy mm, that pays the bills. You're yeah, the problem. I'm just not into that. But I had the harder job. <laughs> anyway, as it turned out, uh, she had the easy job. I would have gladly switched her. Because uh, my arm is sore today, and I'll tell you why. Nigel does not like to not see Scooter. So we bring them both over to the place where this is happening, which is across the street from the campground. And, you know, a little bit of issues with uh, being, you know, attached at the hip. And as soon as Scooter walked away, Nigel had a meltdown. So I'm there trying to hold Nigel while all these other horses are around, trying not to, you know, uh, cause any trouble. I'm trying not to be that girl, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, finally, the people in running the event see what's happening, and they're like, you can bring Nigel along. 
So that's what I did. I had to bring Nigel around with Scooter's group to every one of the obstacles, hold him off to the side, keep him from melting down. And uh, my arm's a little tired today. Nigel just does not like to be separated from Scooter. They have an issue. And they don't even live together anymore. <laughs> they don't even like each other at home. They don't. They beat the crap. They're like brothers. They hate each other, but go away. And all of a sudden, we're attached to the hip. So I always said that that horses become the best of friends oh, on the trailer ride. It's crazy. It's just nuts. And, you know, we thought about leaving Nigel back at the barn, and that, that would not have gone well. So, I mean, there was one horse that was hurt horribly from, from an incident that uh, I had to help with on Sunday uh, that was just a fluke accident. But I'll tell you what. It was, uh, that was interesting. So, uh, then Jennifer worked Nigel on Saturday afternoon and then Sunday took him out and said that apparently he was tired and, uh, was, w- did really well. So, so when uh, he goes off by himself, when it's his turn, is he okay? As long as, well, he, he attaches to another horse. So she was doing a ride where you, you go out in groups. So she found a friend who also walked really fast, and those two went out together, and they went out in the group together, and he's attached to that horse then. Now, Scooter whinnied every five minutes for the next two hours back at the barn. We don't Uh, care about him anymore. He's already done. (laughs) That's right. I just cannot believe how attached they get. And I don't know how you fix that when you're going to shows and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. You're the money robbers person. How do you fix that one? I mean, I wouldn't stable them next to each other when you go somewhere. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's, it's, sometimes it's that's a, limited. I mean, you only have, a, it's a function. Yeah. It, nobody really understands that because it's, it's still, you know, back in the day, this wasn't a thing. Horses went out and did their job and came back. And then that horse that came back was so, so tired. The other horse went out. They didn't care, you know? So it's definitely an understudied phenomenon and horses but the best thing to do is to get there and i mean what i would do is i'd be like i need to get a join up somehow because i need you to think about me and what's funny is i i don't have knock on wood i don't have herder bound horses at home uh, i mean they may start that way but eventually they just settle into like this is life and I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. Yeah. Good. And, you know, at the old place before we moved here, you know, they were out to get, you know, pretty much together or recite each other for eight years. And, you know, there were only two other horses on the farm. So, you know, I think that's you know, part of it, too. Is they they just always been together. It's just horse nature. Yeah. It's like, but, but just getting and, them to think about you, you know, I gotta and that's say, tough when the horse is back at the barn, not with you right. or anybody. <laughs> I got to say, they did well overall, considering it's really Scooter's first time to ever go away to an event like this. You know, no, that's so, awesome. What yeah. a good pony. So I watched the video. He just oh, like totally looks like, what, what oh, are he, you doing? This he didn't is care. stupid. <laughs> I got he didn't care about any of it. He really didn't care. He was wondering why there wasn't a cart. You know, when he, we first got there, I could tell he was going, well, where's my cart? You know, that's what I do things with my cart. I don't do things no. like this. Uh, and then he got about 5 million comments uh, about how cute he was. That was, yeah. The, you know. He's so cute. <laughs> and, and and he just looks so tiny. So <laughs> the, our theory is Nigel's just pissed that Scooter gets all the attention. That's our theory. Is he just mad? Scooter gets all the compliments. Anthropomorphications. Yeah, he gets none. Mm-hmm. So it was it was fun. It was uh everything worked well camping wise and uh that all went off without a hitch, actually. And and actually we'd go back to this place. It's one of the very few campgrounds we've been to, let alone horse campgrounds, that had good inter- or good cell service. It was really good cell service. I've never had that at a campground around awesome. here. You just can't get any. 
So there you go. That was their adventures for the weekend. I did post a video in the auditor room. Uh, the reason I could not take very many videos is I was holding Nigel, trying to keep him from melting down, and could not hold the phone at the same time. Oh, so. I wish you would have like, accidentally like. <laughs> oh, I had a couple you, of those. He pulled you over, and you would have been filming, and the camera. Would I had a couple ground. of those that were filmed of my feet. Uh, that's there were a couple of those. That happens to the best of us. <laughs> All right, let's do a recipe here. This one's a quick one, but it's uh, it's a favorite of mine and a favorite of our family's, uh, and it's my mom's chocolate cake. Now you're saying, uh-huh. well, how can a chocolate cake be special? By the way, Jennifer typed this up. We'll have it in the show notes. I have the email where she sent me the recipe from 2001. Aww. And it was two years before they, my mom and dad died about six months apart. And they, uh, it was two years before that. And I said, I got to get this chocolate cake recipe. Uh, and it was anybody that's eaten it. I've made it a bunch of times. I said, it's the best chocolate cake recipe that they've ever had. And there's one ingredient that makes it that. So I'm just going to go through the ingredients real quick and how to make it. It won't take long. And, but I'll, I'll have all the quantities and stuff in the show notes. So you can check them out there. So this is, uh, it has flour, sugar, Hershey's cocoa powder, has to be Hershey's because this chocolate cake uh, was originally made in Pennsylvania near Hershey. So sentimentally, it has to be Hershey's. Uh, Baking soda and salt. So those are the dry ingredients. And the wet ingredients. When you say cocoa powder, is it like the unsweetened cocoa powder? Is it like Yes, correct. Unsweetened cocoa powder. Correct. Okay. Which you use for cooking usually is the unsweetened one. Okay. Um, then two eggs, uh, vegetable oil, vanilla, buttermilk. Now you can, (laughs) it's hard to find sometimes now, but, uh, you can substitute, by the way, a substitute for buttermilk is one cup of whole milk and one tablespoon of vinegar and you let it stand. And that is kind of the same thing as buttermilk. So if you can't find buttermilk, this is what I I didn't know that. Yeah. I I didn't know that till my mom taught me that. And we, we never have buttermilk, always have milk. So I would just do this. Um, Buttermilk is for the rich folk. Yes, exactly. And again, you can't always find it anymore. It's kind of become a rare thing. Uh, And then the ingredient that makes this work and makes it different and makes it the moistest, tastiest chocolate cake you ever have is one cup of fresh hot coffee. So you combine all the dry and wet ingredients except the coffee. So you combine those all, you mix them up in your mixer, and then it ha- the coffee should be hot. That's the key. It has to be hot, fresh coffee. Make, make the cup right before you bake the cake. And then you slowly mix in. And believe me, you want to do this slowly with your mixer because it will splash everywhere. Uh, so slowly mix in the hot coffee and then just mix it till it's mixed thoroughly. And the batter is going to be very thin for a cake. You you, you go, wow, this is really too thin. But it, that's the consistency of it. You just put it in your pan, you cook it for 35 to 40 minutes on three at 350, and it will be the moistest chocolate cake you've ever had. And it sounds delicious. And I think I have all those ingredients. So I potentially could make and it And I today. did this one today for you. I have a lot of meat recipes, but I did this one to you for today because of you. So, well, thank you. And then the frosting of your choice. Now, I prefer chocolate everything, so I <laughs> chocolate frosting on my chocolate cake. But you could also use like cream cheese frost. Cream cheese frosting is pretty good too. But yeah, that's my mom's recipe, and she would make it all the time. You could also make it into cupcakes. 
uh, you know, same recipe. You just pour it into cupcakes and cook it for a little less time. But you can uh, also do cupcakes with it, which are very good as well. So well that's, done. that's my chocolate cake recipe. And we still have that original email. It's, uh, that brings back a lot of memories. My dad, you know, back in the 90s, computers were really becoming a thing and internet was just starting to be a thing. My dad was in his 70s, late 60s, 70s. But he picked up on the computer thing and he loved it. He did a ton of research on genealogy stuff. He just loved it. So, you know, he would email all the time, and it, it was just, it was interesting to see an older person take to it like he did. I saved all my grandpa's emails. Did he you? Email me, you know, like one or two sentences, no capitalization, you know, all that. And I printed them up and gave them to my aunts and my mom one year for Christmas a couple of years ago. It was really cool. Yeah, you save all that stuff. Yeah, well, I'm going to keep that one forever. Well, the World Equestrian Center, we were talking about it earlier, apparently had one of the biggest clinics ever (laughs) on the weekend. And remember we talked about how eclectic they are? You want to hear what's coming up this weekend? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have the 2022 Fall Show Series featuring uh, USEF Premier Hunters and Level 6 Jumpers. That's going to be going on for the next couple of weeks. Saturday night, they have the big National Cram Prix. It's $100,000. You can go over and watch that. And by the way, the World uh, Winter Wonderland Spectacular is also going on. So I also just saw, I think Kayla did like a 5K in that Winter Wonderland. Yes. They did like a 5K race. Yes, they did a 5K over the weekend. And the Winter Wonderland is beautiful. I mean, they, they decorate the whole place. And it's, a, you know, spectacular to begin with. Uh, so you can go to the Grand Prix. You can eat at one of the 10 restaurants. You can, you can watch the Grand Prix under the Christmas lights. It's a really cool experience. And then they're having this weekend a block party celebration with food and live musical entertainment, including a parachuting performance and Patriot performances by Jimmy Allen, Kid G, and Colt Ford. That's a concert going on this weekend as well, and that benefits the Travis Mills Foundation, who serves veterans with lifelong injuries uh, from service and their families. Colt Ford has to be a country singer. Yeah, they're all. I don't think there's. Are they all country singers? Jimmy Allen, I think, is too. Um, I don't know who I don't know Kid G, but we're gonna get emails now telling us who that is. I know, right? There's also a Taekwondo Christmas championship going on uh, this weekend as well. So there's your eclectic group. We have a country concert, we have jumpers, we have winter wonderland, and taekwondo. So you'll probably be safe there this weekend, I'm guessing. With all yeah, the Taekwondo guys around. Go to worldequestioncenter.com to see the complete schedule. All right, I have another song for you. Kid now, G is a rapper from Georgia, a small town in Georgia, in Hamilton, Georgia. Are all rappers from Georgia? Mm-hmm. Atlanta. Isn't that like a rapper capital? I think it's a new thing, yeah, yeah. to be from, from Atlanta. Um, but yeah, he's a. I, I guess he was a rapper and then has now pivoted to country music. So, you well, know, it's basically <laughs> that rap country that is so popular right now. <laughs> there's a switch. <laughs> popular with the kids. <laughs> there you go. I'll go check it out and let you know, all right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Sure you will. <laughs> hey, speaking of songs, uh, Kim Watts is one of our long, 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 long time listeners and auditors. And her her son, whose name is supposed to remain anonymous, uh, I don't even know it, actually, is a musician. And she he put they put this song together. But because he plays the piano so well, it was kind of hard almost to hear the words. So we, want, we thought... Isn't this way how we decided that you would read the words for everybody before we start the song so they can? Yes, because if you know the words and then you hear the music, the words 
come through a little bit more. So basically it was just a setup with the mic and the piano and it just kind of all mashed together. So the words to this song, they came upon our farm so dear, Glenn and Jamie would soon be here. They're bearing gifts of equestrian gear, airwaves filled with hope and cheer. From state line tack to KPP, the sleigh is filled with hay and glee, with hay and shoes and tack and sand, and Amazon buys from all the land. Now you know where all my money has gone. Why'd I marry this equestrian blonde? <laughs> I guess it's a perspective of her husband. Here we go. Hi, this is Kim in SoCal with an original Holiday Horse Husband song, which might be a first. The singer and composer is my son, who asked not to be named. <laughs> and really, nobody needs to hear me sing. Anyway, the whole Watts family wishes you, our HRN family, happy horsey holidays with peace, joy, and ponies in the new year. I think we have a number one hit in the making. Ellie's a professional musician. <laughs> yeah, you see somebody play like that, and they're just like one with the keys, you know? Like, oh, that was cool. Yeah, he's a professional musician, and you can tell. He's very good. So thank you for that, Kim and son that is not named. We appreciate you. Uh, Apparently, he was a too ashamed of us. I think he's us. I think to be on our show, to be honest. Oh, so. I'm sure. Professional musician <laughs> doesn't want to be on a horse podcast he's like my mom's crazy and i don't want to be a part of it but she made me do this so here you go <laughs> i have to because i came out of her and you know what i i actually could understand the words better that you read them before that word yeah yeah because i heard it the first time and i didn't understand the words uh well but- it's because he's got such like cool uh, vocalization of all the like that i'm not i'm, I'm no vocal expert but like it sounded really cool so he kind of like bent the notes yes. a little bit here and yeah. there and yeah it's good 
Very good job. Very well done. <laughs> we have such clever listeners, even if they are embarrassed to be on the show. All right, coming up next is our first guest. Uh, you know, last week we had Marty Irby on, and he spoke about the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Act, along with some other things, and how it was struck down by a judge saying it was too broad. And I know that I, heard, I just read an article today that they're looking at uh, reintroducing it with uh, making it less broad. Uh, one of our auditors you have heard on the show many times has been on. We've actually followed her journey to become a jockey, and her family is in the race industry. And she she reached out to me and said, look, there is another side to this. And remember we said we, we didn't understand what the other side was, why anybody would fight this. So she has the other side, and being fair, we thought we would have her on to talk about what the other side is from from her her perspective, and her name is Alex Sherman. She's one of our terrific auditors, too. Well, hi, Alex. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Hey, guys. How's it going? So we always say on this show, we have for 3,080 episodes, is that there's two sides to every story, and uh, we kind of like to take a look at both sides. So as I said in your introduction, we're talking about the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Act. And I think we said on last Wednesday when Marty was on, well, who could oppose this? Why would they even oppose this? So... Kind of explain to me what you said in your post. Okay. So, not going to lie, kind of, that kind of irked me a little bit because um, I, you know, I, I, he kind of mentioned that if you're opposed to it, then, you know, you're, you want to keep on drugging horses and doping horses, which is not what the people that are opposed to what's going on is not because we want to keep doping horses. Um, you know, I, I, I see a lot of publications and things like that, obviously on the racing side of things. I, I assume most of, you know, the horse world, the regular world, they don't read blood horse. They don't read Pollock report. You know, that's kind of a, um, you know, just a racing thing. So it's, it's not just the drug regulations that they're wanting to put in place that is, um, affecting the industry. It is pretty much, they took the drug issues and, you know, it's like a car, you know, you got an issue with, you got a leaking radiator and they want to come in, put a whole new transmission. And at the same time, we're going to ignore that you got a leaking tire in your back wheel. You know, there's, there's none of the horsemen here. I mean, obviously, you know, you have your, your big wigs, you have your Bob Baffert, your Todd Fletcher's, your Chad Brown's, you know, those aren't, Yes, they are our top tier of racing, and those are what people see. They're the ones that go to the Derby, but they are not what makes up racing. You know, that's like saying Philip Dutton, Boyd Martin, and Michael Young are who is eventing, you know, and just forgetting about everybody else underneath them and what, what affects them. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of um, things that have happened with HISA that, you know, have kind of taken a step too far where horsemen are concerned. Now, number one, do we horsemen want a level playing field? Absolutely. You know, the majority of horsemen out there have barns that are less than 20 horses. You know, we're, we're small guys. You know, we don't have strings of 500 horses all across the country like Bob Baffert and Tom Fletcher do. You know, they have millions of dollars at their disposal. Don't you think that people like me and, you know, the, the little guys that we want to compete against all the stuff they have at their disposal? No, that's not a level playing field. Don't you think we want that? We're all in the business, you know, to make money and, and win races and, and do the same thing. So that's, you know, majority of horsemen want that. You know, the, the sad part about that is, you know, when you look at the, the drug positives that are coming up, you know, those guys aren't getting busted for 
actual performance-enhancing drugs. You know, Bob Baffert, you know, the beta-methasone. Shug McGahee just had a, a positive that made news for ACE. You know, those are not the drugs that are winning the races. But yet, when was the last time you heard of any of those guys getting busted for something really bad? You're not. And when it comes to the number of positives that are happening in racing, we're kind of at 12%, which compared to the WADA, which oversees the Olympic drug regulation, that's about average. And, you know, so we're not, you know, every horse that gets tested, you know, each race across the country two horses per race get tested on top of out of competition testing when you have your stakes races, things like that. So this is not just a, you know, one horse every month gets tested and everybody's coming up positive. It's not, but they at test the end the of the day, first place in the last place. No, it's a uh, first place in random. Okay. Yep. Yep. So uh, after the race is run, the first place gets sent to the test barn and then the they'll radio down and they'll get a tag to just, uh, it's well, We'll say it's supposed to be random. Now there's speculations on whether it's random or not. I don't know. Um, but, you know, we all want that. And we also want change. There's a lot of stuff that goes on that, you know, we want to see change. You know, I live in Ohio. There are five jurisdictions that I run at within four hours of me that we go to. Do you think it's fun to have to look at every single jurisdiction to see, you know, hey, what can, what, is this legal in that state? Is this legal in that state? What's the withdrawal time in that state? That's not, you know, we're all for trying to make things uniform in that respect. Now, where I'll, you know, and I'll kind of just go on like the main issues with HISA. There's a ton and there's a ton of media publications and podcasts. So if anybody's interested in kind of hearing more from more industry professionals that have a lot more involvement than I do when it comes to that kind of stuff is, um, you know, they're out there. But one of the big ones is HISA is made up of committees. Those committees do not have a single industry horseman on it. So the rules that were made up to start July 1st for safety. So the drug rules are supposed to start January 1st, but July 1st is when HISA first rolled out and we had our, uh, safety, you know, that kind of regulations, uh, procedural type stuff went into effect on July 1st. That committee has no industry horsemen on it. The committee that is making up the drug rules, which are supposed to go into effect January 1st, have no industry horsemen on it. You know, do, do you think USCF makes up rules and they don't have any actual industry horsemen on it? Sometimes it seems that you know? way. <laughs> Well, it, you know, to a point, but yeah. you also have elected people in USCF. They are not just yeah, no, I'm pulled kid- out I was of the kidding. hat from, from somebody, right? I was kidding. And so, for example, we they they came up April 1st, no toe grabs allowed. Well, May 1st, because they didn't talk to anybody about it, all the shoe manufacturers came back and said, well, we don't have inventory to do that. So they pushed it out to, I think it was July 1st and then eventually August 1st to give them 60 days to get inventory. Well, in the meantime, they finally listened to a group. I think it was THA, a couple of vets, some trainers. There were a couple of thoroughbred groups that were came to them and were like, look, you know, can we see where you're coming up with this no traction device rule? And all the publications that I saw that they posted all had to do, I think the latest study was done in 1996 on front traction devices, which we don't use. We're not asking for front traction devices. But when horses are racing on dirt, they're breaking out of a starting gate standstill. You know, some horses need a little, just a little grab on it. We think of cross-country horses. Think of show jump horses today. Use, now, they don't use toe grabs, but they use studs in their shoes. 
Yeah, that almost, why, all, almost all the time, know. yeah. Exactly. There, there's a reason for it. So, Haifa, little kudos to them, did come back and say, okay, well, we'll you know, we, we were thinking front shoes. They actually even admitted that the people that were looking at the shoes thought they were front shoes, not hind shoes that we were discussing. And so they came back and they said, okay, well, we'll allow four millimeter toe grabs on hind on dirt surfaces. Well, that's a shoe that's not even manufactured right now. So they finally decided, okay, we'll come up with a shoe. So they decided on a shoe that they don't even make. So now fairies have to basically take a toe grinder or like a, a buzzsaw type grinder and grind one millimeter off of their shoe grabs, the toe grabs on the front of the shoe. So that's kind of a, an easy example, I think, that a lot of people could relate to something like that. Now, there are a ton of See, other to me, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, that's not that big a deal. Because first of all, it's aluminum. I mean, the shoe, the toe grabs aren't, but mm-hmm. the shoes is aluminum. And I actually, when horses come off the track and come to me for training, I have my farrier grind off the toe grabs immediately right. because I don't want to pull the shoes and like make a big fuss over sure. these horses. Oh, yeah, yeah. So grinding off a millimeter is, is, it could be worse. No, no. And, and, and we, and horsemen, we, we said, okay, we'll take that. And that's fine. We haven't been fighting that. That was a, you know, honestly, at this point in time with the one millimeter. But it, it does show it, that it, they maybe didn't look at the industry and see what, they maybe didn't understand the way it all works currently and how to adapt it to make it work in the future. Exactly. Now, if they would have had some industry horsemen on there to discuss, that might have, you know, come up. That might have been, you know, a discussion. Um, you know, like I said, there, there's so, a lot of... Let me... Go ahead. We don't have a lot of time. I, I just wanted to clarify. I, you guys I, I are not opposed to to unifying the regulations across the country. That's not what no. you're opposed to. But what no. you are opposed to is having an organization doing it that really doesn't understand uh, doesn't understand racing. Right. Well, and, and just just a couple like two more points I can make just, okay. just that people might might um, you know is you know, part of these, uh, the July 1st. So we won't get into the drug regulations, you know, like I'll be honest, we our drug regulations right now compared to what USDF right now is not even in the same ballpark. Um, but part of regulations is that we can't do anymore is how many horses at WEC right now get magna waved before they go into the show ring. Oh, I think magna 90% a, of them. <laughs> magna wave is a fantastic tool that helps horses. Tysa with no studies, no nothing, even when it was public commented that this is stupid, we can't magnify within three days of a race or a work. It's not even really? a drug. <laughs> it's it's not, three days. It's a therapy. It's a therapy. It's not a drug. Three, yep. And electrolytes. How many? That'd be like your horse can't get a massage three days before a race. Yep. Yep. How they one test labeled a magnifying <laughs> machine as the same thing as like a jockey buzzer is pretty much what they labeled it as. And, you know, how many people, it's 90 degrees, you're going to run cross country. I'm going to give my horse a tube of electrolytes to make sure that he stays hydrated, right? No yeah. electrolytes? No electrolytes on race day. No omeprazole on race day. So you got a bad shipper that has some tummy issues that you want to just kind of keep comfortable. Nothing. You want to use perfect prep because you got a horse that kind of, you know, ships in and kind of needs to keep their cheese on their crackers. Nothing. Well, I With- do think that... Uh- 
it was it seems like it was just passed so fast and they're just like this whole big like stack of paper horses are dying we need legislation yeah and i get it i get it because the reason that it's so much stricter i think for for racing than anything else is because of the presence of racing it's 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 Mm -hmm. a national and international sport that is on NBC, you know, it's on television. Absolutely. So we got to get this fixed. We got to, and the horses were dying at Del Mar like crazy. I mean, just all sorts of stuff. So, yes, we've got to regulate and make everything the same for everybody and we'll level the playing fields for people like you and against a Bob Baffert or a Steve Asmussen. Now, drugs are drugs. So they're getting busted for drugs. But, sure. but some of those things, like you're saying, it just seems like, now, I know the people probably working on it didn't seem like it went fast, but man, I just felt like they just like hit the hammer on this so quick without, like you're saying, going back in and researching and detailing a lot of the things. Like, like I need proof as to why electrolytes are performance enhancing. Why is MagnaWave exactly. performance enhancing? And those things needed to slow down, slow down. Yeah. Let's get to the bottom of it. So, yes, well, I do agree that some stuff got shoved through that is kind of silly. Um, but the overall idea is good. It's like, we just need detail work. Well, and that's the thing, like, and when HISA first came into fruition, you know, in, in, in the beginning of the year, when I was like, Hey, this is happening. I will say there were a lot of horsemen that were like, Hey, okay. You know, I mean, not exactly the way we wanted this done, but you know, this, this could be a good thing. Could be whatever. There were a lot of people then, that weren't, this could be a good thing. There's a lot of those old timers that are like, nobody's going to yeah. tell me what to do. Yeah. I'm in exactly. And that's, you know, that, that's with, with every, yep, exactly. But as the year progressed and things like that started happening, where literally Heisa took the closed door policy, they did everything behind closed doors, didn't involve horsemen, didn't involve anybody. Hey, here's your stuff, your rules that were coming up for public comment. They took no advice from our public comment that we commented on and they rolled it out anyway. And then it turned into pretty much a cluster. And, you know, there, there was also a couple of things. Now, this is a safety act, horse racing safety act. When is the time that horses and people are at the most risk? That minute and a half that they are between the starting gate and crossing the wire. That is the most dangerous time for a racehorse and or jockey. And Heisa made this big hoopla about, you know, the jockey whip rules and sticks. And I have mixed emotions on some of that. Won't get into that. Everybody has their own thing. But that was part of making things safer or making it look better to the public, whichever you take is. However, right now, now most people in mainstream media might not hear about it because, you know, it's horse racing, not mainstream media. But a big thing that's going on right now, and Richard Migliori made a big stink about it, was about a week or so ago, Trevor McCarthy ended up in a pretty bad spill up in New York. And the spill was caused by somebody else, reckless riding, dangerous riding. And it's been an issue across the country for several years now that there is some bias on riders that are getting away with things that they should not be getting away with things. And at the end of the day is dangerous. That's what kills horses. Clipping heels is what kills horses and people on the track. And that can easily be prevented. And right now who makes the rules on whether or not a rider gets suspended, fined, banned, whatever the state racing stewards. Well, you would think when Heisa made these rules regarding how many times a jockey can hit a horse, and maybe they would also want to look at like, hey, you know, this rider gets busted for hitting the horse 10 times. So he gets, you know, 10% of, you know, he gets his purse money taken away, horse gets purse money placing taken away, and he gets a so-and-so fine in X amount of days. 
well, why didn't you start doing something like that for all these riders that are getting fines for careless riding? These are guys that are getting careless riding fines. Hey, we'll sign them with, you know, a hundred dollar fine and they, you know, three days suspension, big whoop de doo. Yet I had no involvement on that. Why aren't you looking at that? That's a, an easy safety issue that the industry has a problem with and horsemen want change. Jockeys want change. And yet I didn't even bat an eye at it. Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I almost think that that to me is like, why hasn't the state racing commission been handling that better this whole time? I can a- answer that well, with that, one word, right? Alex politics is why. Well, yes, it's, and that's, and that's racing in, in general. And and I know Glenn, you kind of brought up the, the, the Greyhound racing and, yeah. and, and kind of, you know, well, we kind of needed HISA to keep us from going race on racing, but at the end of the day, you know, race on Greyhound racing, how many people really cared? Yeah, well, nobody not, cared. Not saying, oh, and that's standard nobody, red racing's the same way right now. The tracks didn't yeah. care. When was the last time you heard of a Greyhound track dumping several million dollars to renovate it? To no, only to put in the casino. Only <laughs> to put in the casino. But yeah. here's the problem. So the, the other <sighs> issue with HISA where there's, they, they came out with their stimulus, or not stimulus, but their uh, report on how much money these tracks are going to have to spend. Their report basically said that uh, state racing commissions, which will go down to tracks, which will go down to horsemen, need to allot about $70 million a year for everything HISA wants to be done. Well, eventually that trickles down to tracks and or horsemen. Well, I can tell you right now, there are a lot of tracks with casinos around here, and I am at one of them, that they don't care if racing there or not. No. They don't even simulcast no, well, they, their no, live racing. They do care. The they would casino. prefer you weren't there. Actually, in a lot of cases. <laughs> exactly. And so, if, well, and so if you look at HISA, hey, you're going to have to start paying way more money now to keep these racing people here that you don't even want. Yeah. Are they going to do that? Well, I don't know. We're going to have to leave you at that. I'm glad you came no, on because you. there is always two sides to these stories. And it, yeah. it sounds like almost the budget bill where, you know, we have a budget bill that's supposed to be about the budget. And all of a sudden, you know, we're saving a critter in, in China, you know, so yeah. they just throw everything yeah. in it. Um, yeah, and, and that's kind of. Like I, I didn't, you know, what they did didn't mean to get, you know, a, a, you know, kind of just was a little in my craw on. on you oh, know, I, I'm the glad. You, part is we didn't understand it either. The other side. So, yeah, Dave, yeah. see, Alex, here's the thing: you're one of the good guys, and we appreciate that, and we love you, and that's why you come on, and and we cheer for you, and root for you, and just you're my personal hero. So, thank you for coming <laughs> on and being a part of the show. You're the me I wish I was. That's <laughs> no the way I wish. Like I said, this is my other life. <laughs> and, if, you know, if anybody, like, wants, you know, some more information or pointed to more media, you know, if, if they're interested, like I said, some of it can get kind of dry. But, you know, it's it's a it's a way bigger spectrum than just whether or not people are getting away and, you know, getting away with doping or not. So, yeah, All right. I know it's sad. It was passed so fast and so so many details. Well, let's hope as like, they go into round two, which apparently they're talking about doing here in the Congress, that uh, <laughs> they put some horsemen on the board <laughs> that actually know a little bit about horses. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. We'll let you go. I know you're half dying, no too, problem, from guys. your I'm illness. in there. <laughs> so sick. All right. All right. Thanks, Bye. Alex. Always two sides, like we always say. There's always two sides. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't get into the weeds, you know, of what, you know, and uh, well, let's hope let's hope round two takes into account. Yeah, not having any horsemen on the council, which they probably did to make it fair. It's not real fair when you think about it. No. It's not fair to the riders or the horses. So, and, you know, I think in... Wait, in, are you telling me that in, in the U.S. government, some things are not fair? That is so 
weird. It is. That's... That is very strange. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Let's uh, let's switch gears entirely and go back to the World Equestrian Center. Uh, we're going to lighten things up with something very fun that happened over the weekend, the Carl Hester Clinic. And we have somebody that was on. Uh, her name is Gerilyn Gibson. She volunteered this morning. Thank you uh, for volunteering to come on at such late notice. Gerilyn, thanks for joining us last minute. Wow, I saw a picture of the line to get into this clinic. Oh, my God. I know, right? It was a very big deal. It's like a concert. (laughs) It was crazy. (laughs) So describe the scene. Set the scene for us. Okay, so first of all, it's West Ocala, so it's beautiful. It's this really phenomenal facility, um, and it's... Uh, got um, it's so big you you get lost so okay so this is not about horses it's anecdotal but so we pulled in we were running a tiny bit late and we pulled in to what we thought was the entrance and I'm in my little black late you know 10 year old RAV4 not fancy and and all of a sudden there's this line and it looks like we're on a mini Grand Prix course with Lamborghinis, Bentleys, Porsches, like Ferraris. And I'm like, I'm trying to get into a line of traffic. That's entirely these supercars. I'm like, this is, this is wrong. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> and the facility is so big that they have these like many events going on at the same time. And I guess they had some sort of like supercar demo. So I'm like in the RAV4 behind a Lamborghini and in front of a Ferrari trying to find the Carl Hester clinic. <laughs> Which one of these is not? <laughs> and we're like, we're sure this is not it. Anyway, so it took us a little bit to get there. And then, you know, we, and it's just, you know, it's beautiful because there's barns, there's just, I don't know, dozens of barns, hundreds of pastures, paddocks for the horse show people to use. It's stunning. Everything's white. It's beautifully decorated for the holidays. Like, unbelievable. It looks like you know, all these Christmas trees on the outside are just beautifully decorated and it's just really beautiful and it's just really high end and it's kind of special. Um, and they go into the arena is a, um, air conditioned arena that would fit easily two dressage arenas lengthwise, plus, um, a solid, probably, you know, 60 feet on each side for 50. They're huge. And one whole line of it is the um, is the grandstand, and they're all really nice, you know, good stadium seats. And um, the visibility wasn't awesome. The dressage arena was set in the middle. They had three jumbotrons, and we, because, like, you know, with the supercar incident, we got there just a little bit later than we wanted, and so we <laughs> kind of had to fight for seats. Was, um, was it packed? Yeah. It was packed. Oh, 100% packed. Yeah. I mean, there was... There I know. An empty I was there when they were building it. I know those seat. they seat 3,000 in those indoors. Yeah. So it was huge. It was beautiful. And um, and the sound was perfect. And actually, we could see, you know, three quarters of the arena. And it, it wasn't so far away. It was just a little awkward on the angle. But but it was fine. I mean, most people could... It was fine. And... um Anyway, so it was great. And, and he, you know, everything ran perfectly on time, et cetera. And, uh, you know, Carl, I have not ever seen him in person before. I have sort of stalked him online as much as possible. I have just a huge amount of respect for his, um, his talent, his ability to, to teach, um, and his, um, 
his his demeanor, like the the way he can communicate, is really special and really unique. Um, and so, so is I, he, I love. Let me interrupt you there. Is he kind of a laid back yeah. instructor, or is he an in your face instructor? No, I mean he. No, he's he's. Um, oh, it's it, this is the, it's like the real. He has a he has this incredibly calm, funny, intense expertise. Like he's, he's as, he's as expert as the toughest German trainers that I've trained with. And I've trained with a bunch and as thorough and as knowledgeable, but he's, he's funny. Like he's in a British pub sometimes. So it's like, (laughs) and that makes him much different than the German trainers. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So like, you know, he'll make you laugh, but on the inside you're like, and if you were German, you wouldn't be laughing. (laughs) You know, it's not really that funny. It's really that you did it badly. <laughs> but he just has like a like a beer drinking uh, way of having a pint, describing it, and kind of like. Well, that was very elegant. Funny. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like he's slumming. I mean, he's a very elegant, very articulate person. But he's but British, he so it's funny. He just has an inherent sense of humor, and he and he has wonderful. I mean, he's just so it's really entertaining. It's really entertaining. It's, he's it's like cool. the Hugh and, Grant and he miss a beat. of. Of dressage, you know, it's just like that. It's exactly right. Yeah, there you go. That's right. You've got it. You really you, his you new tagline. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but the um, the you know, and so the the riders, you know, they did a nice job. He actually made a point of saying that he didn't teach the riders or see them beforehand. That it was really kind of a bit of a blind thing. And then he did caveat that the one of the horses, he said, actually, this one, I do, I do know this horse. He said, I actually trained this horse for a year. That was um, Michaela Gunderson's horse. And um, and he says, I know this horse very well, and I, I couldn't help it. I had to pick him when I saw him in the lineup. But um, the other ones were, were sort of new to him. I mean, I think he saw videos beforehand, but um, he, had, he hadn't taught them. He hadn't prepped them. Um, and, you know, the riders did a great job, and the horses were all really a nice quality and a bit of variety. Um, and I, you know, for me, I... I feel a, a very, I really wanted to see him in person, even though I know I've seen everything he does and I've heard it and I've read it and I've read his books, et cetera. But, you know, I just, I just wanted to be able to see it. If I, if I had my way, I would just sit and watch him teach and watch him ride all the time for like, you know, I would never take a horse over to Europe. I would just go sit in his ring if I could. <laughs> like that would be amazing because he's just so, uh, intuitive and, and smart about how he handles the horses. And what I loved about the training that he showed and his approach to it is, is that he really did insist that the riders try to be able to give the raves at all the levels. It was omnipresent with all the horses. Like you got to let go. You can't just hang on. You got to let go. And I, I think that's really nice to see. And, and, he, and he did it six different ways and nobody felt bad about it, but all the horses, you know, said thank you for that. And, and they all went a little bit better. The really gorgeous ones went really gorgeously, even more so. And the, and the more common ones improved and looked, went from being a, a seven or a six horse to an eight horse when, when they would execute on that properly. So it was really, it was really cool to see. Um, so I don't know if I just watched it with my own, my own no. interpretation in terms of it, but it, it really was a theme, I think. No, he's all about the release. And that's what I really appreciate about him and Charlotte's riding. And that's why they're, that's why they're who they are. And how fun to, was it? Okay. So you're sitting in the stands. Okay. Yep. Was everybody like, 
catty of like, oh, that horse had it. I mean, a bunch of dressage women sitting all crammed in on bleachers together. Like, how did that go? Were there any fights? I mean, what happened? <laughs> so that's true. It was like that. There was all these dressage women sitting on bleachers. And for me being, I'm not, I mean, I grew up in New England and I've been in Maryland for years and I'm, I'm new to, I'm sort of new to Florida. Um, you know, and I don't know everybody and I certainly don't know anybody in the Ocala area. So I didn't know anybody around me, which was great, except for the judges that I'm friends with that were in the area. But, um, you know, and, and it was interesting to hear the talk, you know, there's someone behind me that's like explaining to her neighbor, you know, why Carl is famous. And I was like, how did that neighbor even get here? Why are they taking up a seat? Know who Carl was. <laughs> yeah. like, that seems so weird. Okay. Um, and uh, it was a real variety. And I think, you know, um, I, he, he did a more than fantastic job as being an ambassador for the sport. Um, it was great. Well, we appreciate you joining yeah. us today. What's your website? Oh, I'm at finestressage.net. Gerilyn Gibson, finestressage.net. Very good. Thank you, Gerilyn. Appreciate it. Cool. Oh, great to talk with you. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Glenn. All Take right, care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there you go. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Glenn, I would have thought. I've dressed, lots of people think. It's just you that doesn't think that people would go to that. That's just you. That's you thing. Yeah, it's a horse husband thing, I think. <laughs> Who would have thought? Everybody. That's why they put it in that arena. <laughs> we do got to get you down here. We have to make it a point. Next year, you're coming to see the World Equestrian Center at some point. Oh, we man. need to make sure you see it. It's worth seeing. Uh, well, that's uh, that's going to be it for today's show. We'll do a bit of a uh, – well, you have a horse you want to talk about in the post-show, right? I also have a question first World problems. Yeah, we can get to those in the post-show too. So if you aren't an auditor, go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the auditor banner at the top for as little as $3 a month. You too can join the party and get the extra content that we do here uh, on most days of Horses in the Morning. And uh, that's it for today. Take care, everybody. All right, everybody. It's Bay Neutergeld. Oh, we lost Glenn. He talked about dressage. <laughs> yeah. He's gone. I'm out. It would have to be funny for me to hang for a whole day. Mm. It's like Hugh Grant. That was a good description. You'd like him. <laughs>